Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? We are back for another episode of the Shark Pod. Uh, we've got our we've got our guest here today, Eric Morera uh, from Barcelona. He's actually a HubSpot partner out there. Uh, he runs a, a HubSpot agency, for want of a better word, uh, a partner that helps our customers out there. Um, uh, you know, set up HubSpot and and run it really effectively. Um, how are you doing, Eric? Very well, very well. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. And we've got Mark here as usual. How are you doing, Mark? Good, yeah. It's a lovely um, stormy day in Dublin. Stormy day uh, in Dublin, yeah. We've, we've yeah, got... good to have you here, Eric. What's the weather like uh, over in Spain? We're just about uh, 32 degrees. <sighs> nice. nice. In the afternoon. Probably so. too hot. Probably too hot, hot, though, is it? Yeah, probably too hot, too hot. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> He's just saying that for for our uh, for our benefit here. Um, but yeah, so Mark, just before we kick into the the interview today, you know what? I got a bit of feedback uh, uh, over our email. You can reach us at Luke at Shark ie. Um, I got the feedback that sh- uh, Shark Nation. There's this thing in America called Fox Nation. Uh, that's okay. kind of you know it's a Fox News type uh, community over there, and they were wondering was that part of the the shtick of that <laughs> right are, are we right-wing trump supporters yeah so I, no. I wanna, yeah we'll just put it out there that that's not uh not what we uh what we represent here um although it is a it is a funny thing to watch sometimes and i find myself watching fox news clips more than i probably should but uh anyway uh moving right along there's there's something that the the listeners should know about eric as well eric is actually uh was the first ever um podcast guest that we had that be before we were actually actually a uh, actually a proper podcast when this was this idea was just in its infancy i think it was back in december when when were you guys in dublin eric yeah it was uh starting um the month of december like the fifth of sixth of december yeah something like that yeah and i was like this would be cool to do a, a podcast we did an awful version uh with three people in a room with three open zoom links um and the echoing was uh, absolutely unusable but we did learn some interesting stuff and we'll dig into that uh today as well um one more thing that the uh, the uh the listeners have to know about eric is that eric was a, a spanish student here in ireland yeah i was yeah i, was. I spent i spent um i think three weeks in a in a little town called uh, moat Moat is, is somewhere in the Midlands, or do you remember what the county was? I don't even know where that is. Moat it was West West Dublin, uh, maybe uh, one hour or two hour drive. I don't know. I, okay. I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> because the people of Ireland uh, will. We've got this kind of uh, we, this, especially the people around Dublin, especially the people around uh, let's say working class areas. Mark would say, uh, Spanish students was yeah. a part of our summer life. Um, yeah it was this thing when we were growing up because Spanish students would come in and there'd be so many of them because it was kind of I guess uh, you know a, a little side hustle for some uh, some families to have you know, students come stay with them um, very traditional like there's there'd be hundreds of uh, Spanish people around um, so every summer when you're like a teenager there's all these uh, Spanish people uh, that are coming in we're playing football with them 
or not doing very well a lot of the time. Um, but I remember uh, when you when you uh, got to got to Ireland like that. What what was the biggest differences when you were fourteen? Was was it like a like a just a strange place when you arrived here? Did you think these people can't play football? What was your initial uh, <laughs> initial uh, thoughts? It was the first time I I, I left home, and so um, it was. Strange to me, like seeing how the the, the, the living was different, no? Because I, I came from Barcelona city, used to apartments, and here you live in like um, in like in the in the outside where I was living in a yeah, small town, and living in uh, in it's, it's Westmead is where it is, Luke. Oh, Westmead. It. It's a tough, oh, tough yeah. place to start. Yeah. yeah. So everything for me was new. I mean, the people, the houses. Um, the green fields, <laughs> so everything was new, uh, and yeah, and basically the, the first impression I had is like uh, I must learn English, otherwise I, I won't <laughs> have uh, things to eat or to 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 share with other, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think you're touching on our our lack of international languages that we uh, that we like to have here. We're not great at that, especially maybe in the Midlands when uh, you know they've got some other things on their minds. But it was interesting. I remember we're not all Luke. We're also not very good at clear English speaking, so uh, that can be a struggle for Spanish students trying trying to learn English. <laughs> I never even thought about that. <laughs> so, so sometimes Eric, we 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 speak very quickly. Um, so it, was that a was that an issue as well when you were in Westmeath? Did you understand them very easily, or was it difficult? I have I had a, an academy English, uh, very basic English, um, but uh, I didn't find uh, any problem with the accents or so far. I, it was the first native ag- accent I've heard so far, so I think it was natural to me, you know. Okay, okay, fair enough. And you also mentioned that you couldn't believe that we were all playing football on grass. Uh, all the time because you know in Barcelona that's not the case I used to, to play in, in sun you know <laughs> uh, with the bleeding knees you know <laughs> and uh, yeah it was it was um, yeah luxury, <laughs> A luxury. playing in grass yes so Mark maybe that's think- where we're going wrong yeah, I don't we're know. playing in grass. We should be playing in sand. I don't know what the, I don't know what the problem is. It's a, it's a tough one out there for a. We a, try so hard. We try. Do you know it's the our most played game, uh, which is a, a disappointing thing. Although, like Barcelona has what six million people or something. Yeah, Barcelona is three million. Oh, three million. Okay, cool. So in Ireland, we've only got four altogether, but uh, we're still poor at football. Anyway, um, so the the reason why we're having on into onto the shark pot as well is like we like to talk it's about the you know starting business and stuff like that. Um, I know as the CEO of uh, Foxster.io, um, you're helping customers with their marketing, with their sales setups, uh, with uh, with HubSpot. But what was the the first kind of enterprise that you started there? With the first company with with working like the proper company we have started is a oh no a, that's the with the HubSpot I mean like you personally I remember you told me that you started a, a business uh, like years and years ago that was like vending machines yes yes I started uh, well firstly on a family business but then I decided to to create my own my own business which was yeah a business for healthy vending machines which okay. we serve. Um, healthy products through through vending machines, which, which uh, by two thousand eight or two thousand nine, it was uh, pretty revolutionary. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we're competing against uh, Kit Kats and Coca Colas with smoothies and <laughs> fresh cut. <laughs> okay, 
And are you, so are you going, so how does that really work with the vending machines? If it's going to be fresh food and stuff like that, are you putting them, putting that in yourself uh, every day, going around having to take out the old stuff and put in the new stuff or? Yeah, basically, um, yeah, we had to, uh, to buy everything, store it, and then distribute it through the, we had around 20, 25 uh, vending machines. And yeah, it was uh, well, a tough, tough, tough day, you know, uh, starting from the very, very beginning of the morning, uh, ending very late in the evening. So yeah, with the van and driving from place to place, um, it was tough, it was tough. And when you're selling that, so the, the vending machines uh, business is really interesting to me, Mark. I think I told you about this before. When I was a little boy, uh, when I was maybe six years old, uh, my dad had a, a couple of vending machines in Canada. I didn't know that. Did you not? Did I never tell you this? No. So this no. is this is one of the f- very earliest memories I have uh, uh, with dad. And I was going around and we were going around and he was collecting the, the money out of the vending machines. It wasn't healthy stuff. It was the, the Kit Kats and the, the Coke that, uh, that Eric was fighting against. Um, yeah. But he would go around and he would collect that. And I remember him turning to me and going, because at the time he had a couple of car dealerships, uh, a leasing company. Uh, you know, he was very busy, let's say. Um, but he turned to me and goes, I don't know why I do anything else. Because like, he just got this bag full of like dollar coins, and he's like, "This is the I didn't do anything for this." Like he had some, some he had some like young lad going around putting in the Kit Kats that he paid, you know, not that much. And he's like, "It's a good business. It's a good business, but uh, for for cokes and uh, uh, coffee and Kit Kats, you know, yeah. because you get a lot, lot of margin from from mainly from coffee. You know, maybe the cost of a coffee it's like seven cents, and you're selling it for forty cents or thirty five cents." So there's a good margin there and a lot of rotation. So um, people drink one, two, three coffees a day per day. Um, uh, but our product was different. Our product was a premium product, more expensive. Um, and it also has this, um, could last around seven days in the vending machine. So if, if we didn't sell it, we had to eat it ourselves. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Van loads of, uh, of healthy stuff. I like it. Um, and so what was the, the target market? Was it kind of uh, young professionals or was it, did you put them kind of in, in gyms? Where were they located? Our goal was to, to place the machine in uh, the bigger, the bigger companies in, in, in Barcelona, the bigger office offices. Okay. We started also the machine in um, student residences, uh, also into hostels, but uh, it didn't work really well. So we, we realized that the 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 biggest offices were were our our main our main customers and the customers who were taking profit from. You know, absolutely. And so it's just, uh, I love these types of business. And I know that this one was maybe a little bit more difficult, but I was trying to, I know you're trying to be different with the, the healthy stuff, but me and uh, a guy called uh, Emil uh, Dikowski, if he's listening out there in Canada, well, he once had a, he, he used to call him Dickhouse, Mark. I think I mentioned him before. <laughs> Great guy. He worked with me in uh, Pay Pharma. We were going to start a business uh, in Canada. It's hard to really, for our Irish listeners, this won't really make that much sense, but in Canada, there's ATMs, are run by companies a lot of the time, not just banks. So we were going to open an ATM business where we would put ATMs where there are a lot of, uh, you know, footfall outside stadiums, that type of stuff, um, that there was no banks around, that type of stuff. Anyway, my point is we looked into it and there was no way of, 
uh, like leasing or there's no way of, of uh, coming up with uh, like a rental agreement for these ATMs. You had to buy them and they were like 50 grand each. Do you know that kind of way? So we kind of scrapped that idea because we didn't have any money. But with uh, with vending machines, how does that business work? Do you rent the machines or is there like a leasing agreement or do you just buy them like secondhand when you're getting going? How does that work? A big, big problem um, because, uh, yeah, you have to buy them uh, and then get get uh, maybe a leasing from, from the bank. Okay. But, uh, yeah, basically you, you have to pay for them. Okay. Yeah. Because I just had this vision of me and Mark basically leasing, uh, <laughs> leasing these things and just driving all around over Westmead, putting them everywhere, you know, uh, stuff like yeah. that. You know what business is similar enough probably to, to that type of thing is uh, that always fascinates me is the ones with the with all the toys in it. You know those machines with the claw and yes. the toys, and it's yeah. it's rigged so that you, you win. So it's kind of free money. So. Well, I just free, think no, it's free money for to you, know more about the business, huh? Free money for the owner of the machine. So yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- like, like. I wonder how much money they make. I don't know. Like, they make about ten quid a week from uh, my <laughs> wife and children. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, do they have them in Barcelona, Eric? Those, you know, those kind of. Uh, like, do, yeah, yeah, the hand thing and the kids love to play it. I think I like that idea, though, Mark. We might have to put some put some hustle behind that and just put them beside like outside beside uh like bus stops or i don't know something like that um okay so with that uh with that business how long were you working that uh that kind of angle for eric for for three years for, for three years um yeah then i i because we moved from the vending machines we sold all the machines we had because uh, we started moving on towards uh, the coffee uh, business uh where we see the the margin and uh, fortunately we were um lucky enough to to sell all our machines and all, all our vending uh, business to to a bigger vending uh, company okay nice so, yeah but we decided to keep on with our mission which which was um trying to um um, bring closer the healthy food to 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 the people, you know. Yeah. Uh, mainly the offices. So start to de- deliver uh, fruit baskets to offices like World Fruit, yeah. and also delivering um, the um, the shop their personal uh, shopping, um, uh, but based based only on on fruits. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, and was the was there more of a demand for that type of business because it was more like they have to buy it in bulk. They don't have to make a decision on on uh, buying that when they're hungry. It's kind of like it delivers to them. And there was a subscription, uh, is it like? Yeah, there was a subscription for the for, for the fruit baskets, and uh, that was very and really easy business. Uh, no no barriers at all, and uh, we had a pretty good margin there, but. Um, then we realized that there were not barriers at all for this business. I mean, we could, anyone could fit in, you know, because just buying the fruit and selling it and uh, distributing it, uh, it was really, really a simple business. And we tried to cross sell with uh, our e-commerce um, to the employees of the companies we were delivering the baskets and trying to make uh, cross promotions and discounts, basically discounts for, for employees, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of work, um, and they, I I went like nuts with digital. You know, I, I really like this. 
Uh, this is where I built the e-commerce myself. I was building the, uh, well, I was one the buying uh, uh, digital advertising and so on. But then I started study um, digital marketing and e-commerce through a master degree and I started looking for a new job. Okay, so that was the kind of transition to the kind of more yeah. digital stuff that you're that you've been made made a career out of, right? Yeah, we, we kept the business for for two, two two more years. It was only one person delivering the fruit to to the offices, and and that was that was it. And um, yeah, when uh, when we started to lose control over the customers, the person who was in charge of delivering the fruit took all the business. Oh, really? Directly. He, he he just said we were going to do this myself. He cut you guys out. Yeah, yeah he was he was in charge of everything, you know, and we were on another on other stuff, you know. And, Mark, what yeah, do you think of that? Not guy, this guy it was not very honest, but he he really deserved. It. Okay, well, I hope he's uh, yeah, I hope that didn't work out for him in the end. But when you went into <laughs> so you went into kind of the not uh, having a good time for sure. Yeah, now he's definitely not having a good time. That's uh, that's for for sure. And so when you're when you're going into the more digital side of things, you went then from the kind of entrepreneurship stuff that you're doing for I guess five years at that stage, and then you go into uh, more internal working for a company. Uh, what was that like? Did that kind of was that like a load off? Did you kind of enjoy it for a while? Or it was my my dream job. Uh, I started there as a product manager for. For uh, uh, Dorna, Dorna is the company that uh, manages the the World Championship, the MotoGP World Championship, and World SBK. And I started there. We were only three three people at um, on the marketing sales department for for digital products. So there, there, I really understood um, the volumes of the digital and how uh, to understand uh, how the people were behaving and the behavior of the people the demands, how advertising works, digital products works, the digital development works, you know. So all, all parts of digital and also related to sports is what I, I learned a lot from, from there, you know. Yeah. And then at what stage do you, do you get the idea then to say, this is what I want to do. I want to go leave, start my own uh, CRM slash marketing technology uh, boutique company. What, when does that happen? Well, actually, we had uh, we had uh, I've been there for eight years, and the last couple of years, I I, I really had a really big project going on, and really really happy uh, happy with it and managing a um, a team of uh, nine to ten people, so really happy with what I was doing, but really finding uh, difficulties to um, to keep uh, learning, you know, and keep uh, growing myself. Um, also, I, I didn't see um, I didn't see the chance that to to grow myself my career inside that company. It's, it, it is a family business by the end, and Dorna is a family business. So uh, I decided that with my knowledge and and yeah, my age, it was the time to move on and to start on my own. And the idea is is. Uh, to leverage my uh, understanding of digital uh, in different in different uh, sectors and uh, industries, okay? Because I was very very focused into sports. I know uh, I knew a lot about retail already, but um, since there's uh, now one year that uh, I'm I'm working at Foxster, 
and I I have been able to see a lot of different industries, how they work with digital, how they relate with customers. And this is, um, yeah, um, I'm learning a lot. I'm really happy with it, you know, with the experience so far. This is, I love this part of the story because, Mark, this is, uh, it's something that, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, HubSpot partners out there uh, all over the world. I think there's 3,000 uh, partners. So a lot of them are based almost entirely on being marketing agencies. So, you know, those type of agencies where, uh, and, you know, obviously they do a great job for what, they, uh, what they're intending to do, but they're ones that are based on building campaigns, um, you know, the creative, we talked about this before, you know, the bits of, uh, creative for advertising, that type of thing. Um, they charge for kind of like retainers to do that. Um, but the kind of the next wave of partners in HubSpot and I think generally is the more technical partners because the, it's like building the plumbing of the business, right? It's putting in the machinery in the background. I think there's a lot more long-term value that you can do, uh, doing that than just the kind of top layer, uh, you know, pay me for two months, I'll do a marketing campaign. If you turn off the tap, there's no more services, that type of mm. business. Um, mm. I, I think it's way more, uh, you know, long-term value. It's what the, the guys in Fox there and a lot of my partners are doing as well. Um, so, so when you, when you get, when you get started, what was the, what was the first thing that you guys did? Did you, was it uh, one, was it to, like align with someone like, a, like find what you're going to be basing your services on, um, either HubSpot or, uh, you know, Twilio or, you know, like there's a million, there's a million things that you guys could have done, uh, from in the digital space, like what drove you to the kind of CRM stuff? Yeah, as as um, we were a um, newly created company, but we um, like um, we inherited a business from from another company. Okay, what was uh, stepping off uh, the business? So we took uh, all the customers, we took uh, their employees as well, and um, our main goal was firstly to keep keep the customers happy that mm, that we were uh, working with the, with the previous company. Okay. So that was our main goal. Okay, so keep the recurring business uh, going on while we were building new partnerships uh, with Haspot and also Salesforce, um, these two main technologies, and also and um, yeah, the previous partnership that uh, we had with Sugar CRM. Okay, we knew that this is, was not going to last very long. Neither the customers. So the idea was to try to balance all the business. To, uh, to the new technologies we were uh, partnering with, okay? And that was, the our mission was, yeah, first of all, establish, uh, yeah, keep, keep, the, keep the income uh, going, and secondly, try to um, uh, gain time, you know, uh, uh, moving towards the other technologies. Yeah, it's really interesting, because I, I often think about this when I speak to, to people in, in, internally in HubSpot. I'm trying to, we want the best partners. We want the people that are the most kind of bought in and who can make a living working with HubSpot. So I look at a lot of the other uh, partnership stuff, um, whether that's with, I don't know, like there's a million, uh, there's a million companies out there that you could partner with. So we have to be kind of we're we're, uh, we're say competing for attention and HubSpot. Do you know what I mean with our partners? We we've got to make it sure that it's it's working very well for them. Um, so it's interesting to me to hear when you first start a business, I, I spoke to somebody the other day who isn't a HubSpot partner, but they are a reseller of, uh, Google technologies. 
Um, So when they started their company, they're thinking, uh, okay, are we going to be a reseller for Google uh, and do the cloud platform there? Or are we going to do Amazon Web Services and which type of shop? And they're kind of just shopping around to see which business plan would kind of give them the best best return. Um, So it's very interesting for me personally. Um, But Mark, what's the... Like I know that we're you're a finance uh, a recruitment, but have you ever? Mm-hmm. Is there any partnerships or anything in your industry, or, or that type? Of, is business development a big thing in, in recruiting? I never really asked you that. In business development, in in recruit recruiting is probably a little bit uh, antiquated in in Dublin. Like it's who you know, and you're kind of speaking to to your direct contacts and their contacts, and you know your brother's friends, wife, and all that kind of stuff. And you can actually build quite a big business based on who you know. Really? Um, so um, uh, we kind of want to put that on on steroids. So it's like, it's all the same. It is that kind of personal approach, but how do you actually put that into an automated process where you can find out what, what jobs are going out there, who's working where, and there is... There is a technology that does that, and we're actually looking at a bit, of, a bit of that at the moment. Uh, a couple of companies, um, but yeah, I think it could be definitely improved. I think tech is like com- recruitment. Tech and recruitment can be used a lot better. Put it that way. I think it's still behind the curve a little bit. It's because it's the the personal approach is so important. Mm-hmm. How do you mix that with, with with a tech platform to, you know, to to increase kind of business development and leads and stuff like that. It's very hard. When I get a cold email to do a recruitment, you know, I yeah. kind of ignore it. Um, it's funny. The cold emailing, I think it's it's like, a, I know like HubSpot's all about the inbound and marketing and stuff like that. We do a lot of outbound stuff, activities as well, especially for like target accounts and stuff like that. But uh, I've got my, my, my mailbox. I'm not even, I like, I'm not a decision maker in HubSpot, let's say. I'm not doing the buying but you would uh you wouldn't believe that if you saw my inbox i mean there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh, poor prospecting going on um sometimes i i'll send them a little uh, video that i make and then i'll look at my uh i look at my linkedin and i'll be like what makes you think that i have any money to spend on this enterprise software for hubspot you know um just to kind of point them in the right direction uh not that i have that much time to do that all the time um but yeah so eric what what do you think for with you with your business now, they, like I said, it's kind of up and running uh, a year. Um, you've you've picked you've kind of made your bets on the on the software you guys are going to specialize in. Uh, how big do you want to get? What is the plan? Are you gonna? Is it total domination where it's going to be, a, you know, a hundred uh, salespeople riding the phones every day, uh, <laughs> pumping out like uh, as much deals as possible, uh, or is it going to be? Kind of a, a more uh, kind of a niche uh, business. What, what? How do you think about the business? Well, in fact, we have been thinking for for this um, the last months. You know, uh, looking at the figures, uh, what customers are we uh, receiving? What's our um, our lines? Our lines of income, so say. Um, is it more services? Is it more licenses? Mm-hmm. You know, should we focus on selling the software uh, or the services? So we try to do both. Um, it really depends because if you want to focus on selling licenses, you have to build a sales team. If you want to build a sales service, you have to build a, a you know a marketing team, you know, or, or and the or consultants as well. Yeah, both customers, but um, 
but you you need to to sell the licenses anyway. Okay, so our idea is uh, to start little by little, start building a sales team, um, a proper sales team, and from there, um, I'm sure we will leverage the the, the services as well. You know, and try to build returns from from there. Um, but yeah, actually. We don't want to become like a huge agency. We, we want to keep the customer really close. I had a lot of experiences uh, with, with agencies myself. And when you start to realize that the seniorship is not on, on, on your account, um, you feel a bit unengaged with, with the agency. So I don't want to my customers to feel that way, you know? Yes. Okay. Because it is something that people have to... Uh, to kind of make a decision on for instance in mark's line of work in the uh, uh, recruitment um i've been like we me and mark have joked about some uh some other recruitment firms that we've interacted with along the way in dublin and how it non-personal it is how you feel like you're just another even though you are the customer in, in a certain way you just feel like another cog or another you know yeah. it doesn't it, it's not very personalized um so that's very interesting as well i think it's it's hard to it's hard to know which way to go because I've got a lens that other people don't because I see everybody, I see partners from this side as well. So it's kind of like a information wall between what you, what my partners see and what I know. Uh, do you know I've got a lot of, a lot more data. Um, so there is that what I've found with partners is there's not one way to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, I've got a partner who is just their whole obsession is just licenses and then they'll figure out the rest later. So they're, they're they it, they try to expand as into accounts as much as they can. So they've got whatever uh, two thousand customers or something, and then yeah. they have a whole sales team that are just trying to sell different things into into the into that customer base. And it works really well. So say if you're like and they if you're selling HubSpot to somebody, um, they might need uh you know uh, Amazon um cloud services as well. So they'll have a a really strong cross sell on that um but you know it, it's a different feel to uh working with foxter who are you know really outcome oriented mm. uh, with the customer do you know so like i said there's no one way how do you mm-hmm. how do you guys differentiate differentiate yourself from your kind of closest competitors well the first point of differentiation it's it's um it's uh it's about the the approach our approach because our approach is, is not um, about using the making you um, using the, the technology. It's, it's about um, how to say um, facilitate you know um, your ideas. I mean, if you want to uh, achieve your goals, what technologies do you need in order to to reach them? Okay, so and then. That, that's our specialty, okay? And then we make everything work. This uh, technology, the CRM integrated with the push notification uh, service or uh, or an external analytics uh, uh, tool, okay? And we, we make this work. We make the, the, the marketing technology stack work. And then um, we let the customer decide. Also, we always try to sell the, the I mean, the, the retainers with services and everything, but... It's not our focus. Our focus is to make implementation and assess into the technical part of the of the marketing uh, stack. You know, and what what kind of companies would your main clients be? Are they all different type of industries or different sizes? They're different sizes and industries. Uh, 
mainly we have a mid-market size, uh, but we are working with uh, retail, with engineering companies, education. Uh, also, um, now we have uh, we have interesting e-commerce as well working with us. Um, they are trying to, yeah, move on because more, mostly the mid-size e-commerce um, just had a random e-commerce platform and just selling online, you know. And now they understood that is um, selling online is more about the experience and more about the relationship rather the, than the transaction. Okay, so what we're trying to help there is um, to let them know what are the technologies available in order to leverage both customer experience and uh, yeah, and relationship. It's a hey, hey Mark. It's really interesting because what we're saying there about the the types of customers. It, there's a big difference that I noticed working with partners versus working just directly uh, selling in HubSpot. Uh, when you're selling in HubSpot, every every problem looks like a, a HubSpot solution. <laughs> Everything. There's no it's like this whatever whatever the issue because it's it's not like direct sales reps like I like I was and there's no other option I have to sell them HubSpot uh, so I'll do workarounds stuff like that but with partners um, a lot of the time not all the time you know direct we do obviously a lot of direct sales as well but some of the times they can have a an outsider's perspective on a problem right so that's why I'm trying to get uh, my partners to work with direct reps a lot on deals uh, because we're trying to get them to say, okay, if they're, yeah. if they need a certain type of analytics that we can provide, maybe we can sell them HubSpot and uh, something else that integrates with that. And which just with a, when you're selling something directly, you know, it's very difficult to see, you don't want to complicate a deal, but with partners, you're able to uh, actually bring in and solve, make, make the deal more sticky as well. Having this more agnostic, um consultancy selling it's um it's a good entry point for for the customers as well you know and um, and because they and they know that they are buying the the right technology okay that they have not been pushed to buy this technology but it's the technology they really need so um yeah because we can assess uh, always and we i'm sure we will be more um not not to say honest but uh we'll have another point of view when selling the, the technology. Yeah, I think the point of view uh, would be good. Maybe more honest. What do you think, Mark? You've, you've heard yeah. some Michael's joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eric, just geographically, where where would your uh, client base be? Your customer base? Yeah, the, the Spanish market overall. So maybe we're working in big cities like Madrid, uh, Valencia, and Barcelona. Um, but yes, we can work anywhere in Spain. That's what I was thinking. It's it's such a good business in that way that it's there's no boundaries uh, geographically. Maybe language will come into it, obviously, but you can hire people with different yeah. languages. Um, so is it pretty much anywhere Spanish speaking or English speaking that you could you could kind of look at right now? No, there's, there's nothing stopping you. No, that's all. That's, what do you mean selling outside Spain? You mean? Mm. Could you sell yeah. outside Spain? But we we are capable of uh, for our partnership that we have we can sell on Guadimia, but obviously we are focusing on the Spanish market and trying to learn from it. I think it's the market that we know better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we move, if we try to approach the French market, we sure need to to hire a French person, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, we we'll, we we'll start focusing on 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 Spain and and then we'll see. It's I mean, Mark, yeah. Mark, it's interesting because uh, I. 
I think people are sleeping on the on the Spanish market. There, there's there's so much opportunity there. We as a organization, we do really well in Spain. Um, how that, big? How big is it? How many people? In Spain. In Spain. Mm. In Spain. Uh, yeah. What do you mean about the sales reps? No, no. How many population? population? Sorry. <laughs> What's the population <laughs> in Spain? Give the population. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, 46, 48 million. Okay, <laughs> so 10x what uh, Ireland is. Sometimes yeah. I feel like a hillbilly, uh, Mark, when I talk, when I talk to people with uh, like a huge, huge populations like that. They must, we're like barely a city, you know? Like you could, with, with, with Ireland, um, or sorry, with, with recruitment, what I do, you could say, I could ask the same question to myself, what, what's stopping me from recruiting worldwide? You know, it's the yeah. same. There's no boundaries, really. But it is the culture, you know? We know... What Irish people, how they like to be approached, what they're looking for, and um, mm. all that kind of stuff. So if we start looking outside that, it just gets more difficult. It gets tricky, and you're spreading the you're spreading yourself too thinly. Um, but the Irish market is like one like ninety percent of it of what I do is probably Dublin, um, and that's only one county out of you know. Um, yeah. I was going to say thirty two counties, but yeah, technically we do Northern Ireland as well. Um, <laughs> Luke's got the proc- proclamation behind him on the wall um, but in Spain like I assume there's all different types of cultures within Spain but it's yeah. such a big market compared to compared to Ireland yeah, it's, it's, it's different I was I was going to, to ask you if, if you were selling to North Ireland or to England it was really di- different you know uh, and yeah. Northern Ireland not that much diff- not that much different really culturally uh, not really like yeah. broadly termed uh, the UK isn't that much different either, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. So, in for us, um, there's not much difference. Uh, I mean, um, we know that uh, Southern Spain like to play more the game of discounts and make the process, the sales process really long. You know, um, in the northern part of Spain, we they, they don't like to waste their time. You know, um, they're more direct selling. It's more direct and. Um, we know that from from the beginning. So when starting a conversation, I mean, it's, it's a different approach, and and for us, it's also different uh, expectations. Well, that's interesting how there would be such difference. And Mark, this is something that uh, Eric told me when I first uh, met him as well. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Eric, but you kept on saying that uh, uh, <laughs> Barcelona was in the north. To me, that doesn't make any sense because it's on the Mediterranean. Uh, but I wouldn't count. I don't know. Would you count that as as do you, as, yeah? Is that north? It's like, I would say, at least, I mean, we are 100, uh, I think it's 160 or 70 kilometers from France. Okay, yeah, pretty pretty north, I guess. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know, I, in my mind, it's hard for me to, to put that together. Um, so, yeah, so, like, uh, doing business, I would, here's something interesting. I, I wish Irish companies would think about doing uh, business abroad a little bit more as well. I know with the, like we all, we get kind of overshadowed, Eric, by our our neighbors uh, over there in England. So whenever we start a business, the only thing that we think about is we've got sixty million people beside us that are yeah. you know speak English, so we can just do that. I would doubt that there's a lot of Irish companies hiring Spanish speakers to sell into that market. Do you know? Um, I don't know if that's true, but it's just something that I, I think about. Um, we've got about ten minutes left. I know you've got a, a hard stop here at uh, at six o'clock, so or six o'clock our time. Um, me and Mark, we usually we have this kind of we have a bit of a, a tradition on the Shark Pod where we uh, we do kind of a, a rapid fire lightning round, if you will. Um, 
you know, so uh, we'd like to run you through that as well. Some rapid fire questions and see if we, uh, if we, <laughs> what, what comes out of that. They don't have to be rapid answer, right? So keep that in mind. All right. Okay. Okay. So what's your favorite social media and why? And uh, TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, it TikTok. is. Um, I hear Oracle's going to uh, buy them. It's so entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I find people I don't know. So, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, post, I don't post. I just watch. And, yeah, it's really entertaining. <laughs> what What is TikTok? Is it just funny videos? It's no, dancing. no, no. In fact, uh, that's what people think. But, um, for example, I'm following... Um, I'm following all kinds of accounts, like Gary Vaynerchuk, you know him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm following he's posting like 10 times a day, you know, and with this guy. And you, you, I follow like uh, accounts that um, uh, post um, comments from uh, famous entrepreneurs like, um, you know, Steve Jobs, uh, the guy from Tesla, I don't remember his name. Um, yeah, and I, I try to, I try to, uh, because at the very beginning, you only see people dancing. And when you start scrolling through content, you, you try to um, sort what fits more productive to you, you know, because otherwise it's just a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, Mark, do you, know, uh, yeah. do you know Gavin J. Gallagher? Have you listened to his podcast? No. Who's that? I got to listen to his podcast. It's called Behind the Facade. So we're we're gonna. That's my mission now to get him on the podcast as well. So Eric, this guy, uh, he's a uh, a property developer here in Ireland. Oh, sorry, I did. You yeah. you sent me that. I listened to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he was like, uh, you know, during the property boom here, he was like, you know, crazy, crazy successful. Then there was a big dip, and you know, everyone going bankrupt and that type of stuff. But he made a comeback. But uh, he uses TikTok to generate like podcast downloads and stuff like that, and put out content content out. And when I heard that, I was like, the Shark Pod has no presence out there, Mark. We got to work on that. You're the social media guy. Totally random, man. You can go viral. I got my daughters on that now. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They'll figure out. They're on it. They're on it themselves, but hopefully nobody's watching what they're putting up. So what's the best business idea you've never acted upon, Eric? Uh, Not sure about this. Um, But I I mean that I had the... that, that, you never, that you that you think is is still you know a good idea, but you just haven't done it or or never acted upon it. Everything that has to do with uh, recycling, um, this uh, what you what you say about circular the circular economy, you know, that um, yeah I think it still has a lot of potential, but um, yeah a lot of people are 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 on the on the business, but I I think there's a lot of potential still. Like okay, very Mark, good, Mark. This is uh, something I thought about just today. I, I put out my bins earlier on. You know, I, I, I'm trying to be a conscientious guy. Uh, you know, putting out the you know the green bin with the recyclables and that type of stuff. But they don't take glass anymore. So is there is there a business where we can go collect glass for free and use that for something? Is that worth anything? Or is that just yeah? I see a lot of um, guilty looking people going to bottle banks. We have these bottle bank thing, and you can. You put them in. You put the bottles in. So your bottles and, uh, of wine, bottles of beer, and stuff like that. So it's yeah. It's and during the during the lockdown, um, <laughs> there's a lot of people collecting empty wine bottles. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. What's next? Okay. Um, if you could do business anywhere in the world, where would it be? 
So I thought about it uh, a lot, and I will I will stay in Spain or or going to Italy because Italy. it's a really similar culture, weather. Uh, I like I like the place. I like to be there in South. Same. Very good. What just out of interest? What what about South America? The Spanish speaking countries there. Yeah, the thing with South America is is the is in security. Um, there's no middle class there, you know, and you cannot be like uh, in the middle really. And it's it's not secure for if you have children and everything. So it's not the same. You have to go to specific schools uh, to live in specific places. I mean. It's not like here, like you can really leave anywhere, uh, walk in the street without any worries, you know? Yeah, you're selling Barcelona to us here. Mark, what's the last? <laughs> what do you think? Um, <laughs> okay. How much money is enough money? How much money? That's, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think we can give a figure on that, but... Uh, I mean, when you when you have kids, you realize uh, you don't want. I mean, um, not to be and uh, have a nice car. Uh, the important thing is that you your your kids can do what they want, you know. And uh, having the necessary uh, money uh, for them to study what they want and do what they want for a living. Um, yeah, that's that's my my goal that's in enough. terms of money. It's funny because we, we've had all different types of answers. Most of the answers are like that as well. It's all just like just enough so everyone's happy in your family and stuff like that. And then we've had really specific numbers. Remember, I remember Oliver Colliander, I think it was 12 million. Exactly. So <laughs> they kind of a very, so I'd take 12 billion anyway. What do you think, Mark? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Two, two, two more quick ones, right? Is it is it who you know or is it what you know? Uh, I think it's who you know. I like it. Okay. What makes you network? think that? You want you want me to elaborate? Yeah, slightly if if you want. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think the the most important is is the relationships, not what what they are, uh, what they know about. You know, it's more about the relationship, and I mean uh, that you have with the with the people, even if they if they are not like you. You know. Yeah, I think I think you have to know enough. It would be fair to say you have to know enough, but you can really kind of nail down relation like business or whatever it is by by getting on with people by you know being good socially interacting. Um, okay, last one. Um, if you could learn, if you could advise someone to learn one skill, what would it be? Mm, I would say um, gratitude, for example. Um, we we normally we are not thankful thankful enough for what we have and everything you know, and uh, that that that's not easy as well uh, because uh, we we wake up in the morning and we, we have what we have you know and we are not really aware of, of the people that are struggling a lot to to yeah, live their lives you know. Um, I think we should be yeah more trained on gratitude and values. I like that idea. I've never, I've never heard about that as like a skill. I never really thought about it like that. But I guess it is. It's something Matthew, that you can practice. Like Matthew yeah. McConaughey says that in one of his uh, speeches. I think it's his Oscar acceptance speech. Luke. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll have to break that one down. We're big fans of Matthew McConaughey, Eric. Uh, it's a long story, but we'd like to thank you very much for being uh, involved in the the Shark Pod today. One more question for you: Do you want a T-shirt or do you want a mug? 
T-shirt for sure. T-shirt, perfect. We'll uh, we'll get that out to you. Don't worry, international shipping. We will take care of that, no problem. Mark, thanks very much. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Eric. Thank you very much, Luke.